from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang, and welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast. It's Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. We've got a packed, packed show this morning. We've got an update on the T-Mobile, another, sorry, not an update, a, a, another T-Mobile breach, uh, Western Digital with some news, as well as the FBI with some alarming information that I think every practitioner should be adding to their board presentation, their manager presentation, their peer presentation, their investor presentation. That is going to mind boggle all of y'all as well as other news here so stay tuned i can't wait to see everyone at data connectors in dallas on thursday this week the show will be live actually i'll be doing it from the event itself so i can't wait to see all of y'all there if you're coming please make sure to go if you're in the dallas area the dallas plano area fort worth um if you're planning on driving up if you're in the great state of texas or oklahoma come join us may 4th at uh the hilton data connectors use the cyber hub podcast um, uh, discount code to get your free ticket to the event. Come hang out. I'll be recording podcasts throughout the day, talking to people, and then doing an awesome panel with my good friend Patrick Benoit, Sissel, and Jamine, and so many other awesome folks, including including the head of InfoSec for the Dallas Cowboys. As a 49ers fan, we're going to have a feud. I may just have to wear my new 49ers jersey for this one. I'm just kidding. I'm joking, Dallas fans. All right, folks, let's go ahead and join me with my double espresso. Coffee cup cheers, y'all. And let's get the show going with the following. There is a security breach. T-Mobile is joining the ranks with their second security breach this year. This breach is not as big as the first one was. They're saying it affected a small number of T-Mobile accounts between late February and March of this year. The exposed information in those accounts varied, but most of them included customer names, Birth dates, contact information, T-Mobile account pins, account numbers, phone numbers, number of lines, social security numbers, ID balances, and internal T-Mobile codes used to service the customer accounts. According to the carrier, no personal financial account information or call records were compromised in, in, in the incident. The firm told the Maine Attorney General's office that only 836 individuals were impacted by the data breach. So we'll just see this one. I mean, Look, here's the thing. Security's hard, but come on, guys. Um, you would think after T-Mobile having five data breaches, like this is their fifth or sixth in two years, there'd be a bit better security controls at this point. Again, I mean, security's difficult, but at some point you got to take responsibility to the fact that you may not be doing enough uh, when, when this kind of stuff happens. Criminals leak images to taunt Western Digital's cyber attack response. The Alpha's uh, ransomware operation, a.k.a. Black Cat, has published screenshots of internal emails and video conferences stolen from Western Digital, indicating they likely had continued access to the company systems even as the company responded to the breach. The leak has come after uh, the threat actors had warned Western Digital on April 17th that they would hurt them and, until they cannot stand anymore if ransom was not paid. The event at all began on March 26th when they suffered a cyber attack. In response, the company shut down its cloud services for two weeks, including many of its uh, many of its critical services. Um, TechCrunch first reported that an unnamed group breached Western Digital, claiming to have stolen 10 terabyte worth of data. 
The threat actors shared with TechCrunch a sample of the stolen data, included files signed with Western Digital's stolen code signing keys, unlisted corporate phone numbers, and screenshots of other internal data. They've now turned to taunting. Um, some of them, um, some of the data they're now using includes media holding statement. Another is an email about employees leaking information about the attack to the press. Included with the leaked data is another message from the threat actors where they claim to have customers' personal information and a complete backup of Western Digital's SAP back office implementation. While the data appears to belong to Western Digital, it could not be independently verified at this time. Western Digital is not negotiating the ransom. They're staying put and holding true. But if it is true, if they were in their environment while while this was going on and Western Digital didn't didn't recognize that, then I think that's a, that's a fail in incident response. One of the first things you want to do is make sure that while you're shutting everything down and while you're communicating that no one's in your environment. And that's why that secondary environment in your in your business response plan and in your incident response plan and business continuity is so critical. That's why you don't want to communicate via email when you have an incident. That's why you want to move to a separate product. You want to move to a separate platform that's not tied into your environment where you're doing all of this, where all of the stakeholders are going. Don't use the same credentials either, right? That's that's another part of it. Don't make it like Okta sign-in in, in the event that your Okta was compromised as well or those credentials were compromised. You want to make it a completely separate environment uh, that, that's ideal um, until you can validate that the threat actors are not in your environment and that way all the communication for the response is is out of there. This is definitely going to go in one of our learning books. It's a lesson learned. It's a great use case of why that's important. Uh, CISA has added active exploitation of multiple products that have been now added to the known exploited vulnerabilities catalog. Those are the TP-Link Archer AX21 command injection vulnerability, also known as CVE-2023-1389, or CVE-2021-45046, the Apache Lock4J2 deserialization of untrusted data vulnerability, as well as CVE-2023-21839, or the Oracle WebLogic server unspecified vulnerability. All of those have now joined the must-patch list and known exploit list, and all federal agencies are required by a certain date to patch those or take those services offline. And you can obviously see some of these are two years old here. The Apple's first rapid security response patch has failed to install on several iPhones. I can say that personally I've I've tested the update when it came out and it worked just fine. Some of these out of band security updates may also be used to address vulnerabilities that are actively being exploited. Some Some folks did have an issue updating their uh their devices and so if it, if you did fail there is a workaround to try again um and so you can learn more about that by going to the apple page and it's something you definitely want to push to your employees today since apple when they push these they're they're patching in most cases exploited zero days um so you want to make sure to address that we'll move to a story that had me shocked um somewhat somewhat not FBI wants to focus on cybersecurity with a $90 million budget request. This comes after Director Christopher Wray presented before the House Committee on Appropriations Subcommittee on Commerce, Justice, and Science um, is asking for a little bit more money. On the docket was foreign intelligence threats, violent crime, human trafficking, and more, but the director wasted no time getting to cyber. Barely 20 seconds in his opening statement, he launched into the problem of cyber threats to America using China as a measuring stick. 
a key part of the Chinese government's multi-pronged strategy to lie, cheat, and steal their way to surpassing us as a global superpower is cyber. To give you a sense of what's uh, of what we're going up against, if each one of the FBI cyber agents and intel analysts focus exclusively on the China threat, Chinese hackers would still outnumber FBI cyber personnel by at least 50 to 1. To help even the odds, the FBI is requesting an additional 192 positions, 31 special agents, 8 intelligence analysts, and 153 other staff, plus uh, $63.4 million to enhance cyber information sharing abilities to increase cyber tools and capacities, according to the statement with Rye. The request includes four jobs and an additional $27.2 million to help protect internal FBI networks. So outside and inside, the FBI has a lot of... Um, so th- this is significant because the FBI is saying they're outnumbered 50 to 1. Um, when If you're a CISO, if you're a manager, if you're a director, if you're fighting for, for, uh, for, for budget and personnel because you're understaffed, uh, this is a great thing to take away is, hey, if we're, we're on China's anywhere within the China realm of threat, they outnumber us, they outnumber the FBI 50 to 1. How bad do they outnumber us? Um, and so just keep that in mind. Uh, I, I really do hope he gets the money quickly. I hope they hire quickly, and I hope we start to close the gaps quickly. North Korea's Scarecroft is deploying the ROC RAT malware through an LNK file as delivery route for the uh, uh, for the malware itself as early as July of last year. The same month, Microsoft began blocking macros across Office documents by default. The Rock RAT has not changed significantly over the years. Its deployment message uh, deployment methods have evolved and now utilize uh, archives containing LNK files that initiate a multi multi stage infection stage. Um, sorry, multi-stage infection chain. This is another representation of a major threat trend in the threat landscape where APTs and cyber criminals alike attempt to overcome the blocking of macros by going to other sources. And that's what they were going to do. Um, there's no, um, there's nothing surprising here with the fact that when we blocked macros, we knew we were opening another vector. We just didn't know what that vector was. Initially, it was one note. Now it's LNKs. Um, and it'll be something else later in the future. So do we block all of these or do we get better at practicing security and defense in depth? And do we look for more creative ways to solve these problems? Because we can't stop business. We can't stop attachments and we can slow down business in order to mitigate cyber threats. So there's got to be kind of a compromise between there. I don't have the answer to that. This specific malware seems very, very interesting. But again, it's another one of those write-ups that's coming from a bunch of different security firms finding these types of malware, how they endeavor and how they keep up with shifting the ecosystem. And then kind of the stuff that they use is where you would hope that they would be updating their signatures and get updated in VirusTotal, you know, the MDR, EDR, XDR providers start to pick up on this and find other ways to uh, handle these types of uh, challenges that we as practitioners all face. And finally, the UN Cybercrime Treaty is going to be released in June after years of debate over and concern over what the document might cover. UN General Assembly voted in December of 2019 to begin negotiating a treaty centered around cybercrime after Russia took issue with the previous agreement, the one the nicknamed the Budapest Convention, and demanded something new to address the issue. Jane Lee, who's the senior counsel for computer crime and intellectual property at the U.S. Justice Department, said at RSA, that she had just returned from the fifth negotiating session in Vienna, 
explaining progress was made on the initial draft, which will be released on June 28th. The objective in the process is a focus on criminal justice, which is aimed at improving the investigation and prosecution of cybercrime. We want the treaty to be firmly grounded in human rights, fundamental freedoms, and rule of law. It'd be interesting if Russia and China sign up to it. A lot of, a lot of smaller nations signed up to the Budapest Convention. Well, a lot of them did, but a lot of big ones didn't. The U.S. included Russia, China, and others. That's why there's no extradition. There's, you know, we name them, shame them. You can put out a, you know, a red notice in, in Interpol, but at the end of the day, the Chinese could give someone a different name and a different passport, and they can still travel and do what they need to do uh, with very little uh, consequence to it because you don't have or the information you have on those actors are very limited. I am personally a pessimist when it comes to the UN. I feel like the UN has um, the UN just just lacks any sort of real meat on its bones. Um, since its inception, the UN really has done little to stop anything go on and all of these treaties typically tend to be signed by a bunch of smaller countries but never by the big ones um and so i don't see this as being something that's really gonna improve any uh, I, I wouldn't hold my fingers let's say looking at this treaty as of now now i stand to be corrected and if i if, if i if i am china and russia and north korea and iran sign on to this and it becomes kind of like a global cybercrime treaty where you know criminals are tried then maybe until then, uh, I think this is just uh, uh, another far-fetched approach to cybercrime um, that's really not going to solve anything because we know who they are, we know the, where they operate from, and in most cases, we we could just can't get them, and I don't think this is going to solve it at all. So that's it for our show today. We'll be back tomorrow with a whole lot more. Thank you, everyone, for, for tuning in. We're Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch is where you can find all the latest. Catch us on your favorite podcast listening platform. See you all in Dallas on Thursday. Until then, have a great rest of your day, and most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.